Well, Merry Christmas. I know it's not Christmas. I always feel funny saying Merry Christmas when I still have shopping to do. But uh, (laughs) it sent a chill down my spine. Well, we do want to take this time and this morning to acknowledge again the Lord, His birth. As we are continuing our series of God with us, we want to take this final time and recognize how this took place, recognize his birth. It's kind of funny, you know, when we came in here last week, they had the Christmas lights, but this week they added the Hollywood to everything. But it's kind of fitting because Christmas has become so commercial, hasn't it? I mean, usually right after Halloween, they start decorating pretty much. Oh, yeah, there's Thanksgiving in there somewhere in between. But anything to start getting people prepared to spend their money is what really they kind of push for. And it has become so spectacular. I mean, I don't know if you guys have gone to see the Christmas lights. Have you guys driven around? I know my daughter went out yesterday, and there's different places where you go. And, man, the lights are intense these days. Not at my house, but at other houses. I've got the simple, you know, I call it vintage lights, you know. But now they've got carousels, and they've got, you know, Ferris wheels, and they've got snow globes that actually blow snow. It's like, man, they've gone all out and all the lights, you know, are incredible. There was a time, some of you may remember this, where they actually had aluminum Christmas trees. Do you guys remember aluminum Christmas trees? Some of you are going, what on earth is that about? It's taking recycling to a whole new level. Back to the trees, you know, it's like, what was with that? And, and that wasn't enough to have this tinsel-looking tree, they would also put these colored wheels that would spin around, and they would turn green and blue and red and yellow, right? And now in our home, for years, we had a flocked Christmas tree. I know you're all saying, what does this have to do with anything? Hopefully something. We'll see. And we'd have this artificial snow tree, and we could only put blue lights on it because that was the rule. And we had to hang the tinsel one at a time, which, you know, any kid, that was like torture. You know, no, you got this stuff, you just want to throw it. And then we'd put this color wheel and it would turn, you know, blue and green and yellow. And the yellow always freaked me out. We've got a yellow snow tree. You know, what's that about? But sorry, that's just... But we made Christmas this idea of just spectacular and... All this lights and flash, and yet we're going to read the story, and it's so void of those things. I can remember the first time that the message of Christmas sunk into my heart. I don't know how old I was. I was a child, and it happened through the cartoon of Charlie Brown Christmas. Where, you know, they're fighting, Linus is fighting with, you know, or not Linus, he's the one who read, but Lucy's fighting with Charlie Brown. Some commotion is going on, and Charlie Brown finally says, what's the meaning of Christmas? And Linus says, I'll tell you the meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. And lights, please, you know, and the flash on. And then he starts to read from Luke chapter 2. 
And all of a sudden, I, I can't really explain what happened, but there was a, a calm that overtook my soul as those words were being read through that cartoon. And there was a reality of this is what it's about that captured me. And it was free from the lights and and all the gifts and all the commercial things. It was this message of Christ being born. And it was done through a cartoon, through Charlie Brown, who, you know, something about a, a kid who's going prematurely bald just touches all of our hearts. But... Uh, What I want to do this morning is read that same passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will get it to you. And we're going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 20. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to the own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, when we first read this and account, it it starts off rather like a textbook, something you would read in your history class. 
The verses start off, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. I mean, could you, could you find a more just plain and plain statement? I'm just giving you some information here. And unless we knew the rest of the story, this would just seem pretty ordinary. Just the facts. Who cares that Quirinius was governor? Well, Luke is placing this and framing it in time. He is putting this here at a time when this took place so that we could understand this is something that occurred at this time. And, And as the story goes on, I think we have lost so much of what really is going on, especially for those who are involved, especially for Joseph and Mary. You see, we don't recognize the hardship that it would take for someone to have to travel with the woman they're engaged to be married to who is very, very pregnant and go down to Bethlehem, which is 90 miles on a donkey while you're pregnant. Imagine. That'd be hard for Joseph too, by the way. And all because this Roman emperor wants to take a census so he could see how much more money he can get. Doesn't care that you're eight months, nine months pregnant. Doesn't care about your work situation. Doesn't care if you're ill doesn't care about your circumstances. You have to do this. And so here, Joseph, who is betrothed to Mary, she's pregnant, very, very pregnant, gets on a donkey who must have thought I've sinned in a previous life, (laughs) carrying this pregnant woman 90 miles down to Bethlehem. There's nothing spectacular going on here. And then Joseph gets there to Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn. Now, wouldn't you think if you're being a part of God's work, you'd get some like, you know, bennies, you know, you'd get some little benefits here now and then. Okay, God, you know, I took her as my wife. Okay, God, I'm pregnant with your child. Can't you, you know, there should be at least a suite or something waiting for us when we get there. Because after all, God, you know, that's what, oh, look at, we've got, a, uh, oh, an upgrade. Oh, God is watching out for us. But they get there and there's no room. No doubt it took a little bit longer traveling with a pregnant woman than normal. They're not as fast. And so they get there, and there's no room in the inn. And I've heard people say, well, you know, the inns were probably infested with fleas, and so it was better in the stable. Yeah, I'm not buying it. They went to the inn, and there was no room. The stable wasn't the first choice. And I remember... A couple of years ago or a year ago, just over, we were in Wales and we were staying at this farm where they had a stable. 
And I think, you know, to really get the full measure of what's happening, we'd need like a, a scratch and sniff manger, you know, to get the idea, the full impact of what is happening. Because, yeah, mangers just aren't the, the most pleasant places. And it was probably full because the inn was full. So there's probably lots of horses. And horses smell like horses. And sheep might look cute, but they smell like sheep. And you wonder what's going on in Joseph and Mary's mind. Okay, we've had to travel the hardship that we're dealing with. Now there's no room and we're here in a stable. And all these things are taking place and they're very ordinary. And they could seem as if God has forgotten us. We, we, we're here and we're on our own. And they are unaware, perhaps, that God is working all of history to accomplish something at this moment, but in a way that is unrecognized by the whole world. This morning I got up, saw the mountains. You guys see the mountains? Isn't this great? They like hibernate and then come out once a winter. You know, they just boom, we've got mountains from Colorado or somewhere. I mean, they're just great. And the snow's up there, not down here. Isn't that cool? You get to enjoy snow and not shovel it. That, that's the benefits of living in California. But you see the mountains and you just get this wonder of nature, the beauty. And it just kind of soothes you because there's something so wondrous and there's this understanding of creation and majesty and purpose that God can have clouds that hold water, which is a trip to think about. And then when the water gets too heavy, it has to drop. But it doesn't drop like ice cubes. It drops and turns into snowflakes that just blanket the mountain with this white fluffy things. It just covers what's dirt and rock and just makes it picturesque. And it's just so natural. It's something that is just there. We see and it makes us wonder. Well, so many times God is at work in the midst of situations that we don't recognize. His hand is moving all of history to accomplish this event. And it's working in your life as well. Say, oh, no, it can't be happening to me. You don't know my job. You don't know my boss. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know the difficulties that I'm going through. You don't understand how can God be a part of this. I imagine Joseph and Mary could say the same thing even more so. And yet the most incredible event of all time was about to take place. But it seems so ordinary. And then we get introduced to the shepherds. Now, now shepherds get an upgrade here because before this story, no one put figurines of shepherds on their fireplace. Okay. They, they were kind of outcasts. They, they smelt and you kept them at a distance. But here the shepherds come into the scene in verse eight. It says they were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appears to them. Now that something supernatural comes to who? To the shepherds. 
Not to the kings, not to the, the innkeeper who might let them back into the inn to get a nice suite. No, it's to these guys out in the field who are with the animals. The angels appear. And, and it seems almost as if God keeps pushing things down to just be more and more relatable. He doesn't exalt things. He just wants to make things as understandable to the most simple of people so that everyone can understand what is going on. And the angels appear. And of course, the shepherds freak out. You would too. In verse 10, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy, which will be for all people today. Here is a mark in time. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. What's going to be the sign? What's going to be the sign? A sign. Here's the sign to you. We're not the sign. The angels aren't the sign. This angelic host, is that the sign? No, that's not the sign. This will be the sign. What's the sign? You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Don't see that every day. Well, maybe you might. How many of you have either had a baby or know someone who's had a baby this year? Raise your hand. Some of you, that rings more true than others. Yeah, babies pretty much happen. Well, they don't happen, you know what I mean. What's the sign? You know, birth is an incredible thing. It's an incredible, difficult process. Not only the the birth, the raising of children, but it's such a miraculous thing that it it does overwhelm you. And I know right now it's a sensitive or timely thing for Karina and I as well. Our son Samuel and his wife Dominique are pregnant with child, and so. Thank you, thank you. It, it was nothing, really. And, and I remember when my kids were born. And when a child is born, and you start thinking about it, even now as I start thinking, you think. What you want to see this child become. What you hope for them. What you desire to take place. And I know I was overwhelmed many times thinking, oh my gosh, God, you trust me with these kids? You know me. I drop stuff. But you see, the sign that a baby is going to be born wrapped in clothes, lying in the manger, is that who this baby is. Is God among us. And God entrusting himself to these people. 
again, we, we sensationalize things. We, we make them pretty and, and beautiful, but they are so natural. Shepherds, the lowliest of people. One of the other accounts, we have magi who come who are basically sorcerers, kind of unusual people to be a part of this message. Sorcerers who are searching for the wrong God who find the true God. Joseph, a carpenter, who's going to be the mentor for the Son of God. Mary, a teenage girl who's going to be entrusted to nurture and raise the Messiah. You see, it's real easy for me to, to see Jesus as God when he rises from the dead. It's real easy for me to see Jesus as God when he walks on water or heals the blind man or goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth, and he does. It's real easy for me to see Jesus as God in those circumstances. And we've talked about Jesus as God in the garden and how he feels, and we've looked at Jesus as God in the temple and the things that he really cares about. And I can kind of get my mind around those things, but the hard thing to do is see Jesus as God when he is one day old. And totally vulnerable. That's a difficult thing. That God would say, I entrust myself into your care. Today, I am going to lower myself to this place. And be with you. Do you look into that one-day-old baby's face and understand what that means? Christ the Lord. As they appeared, they were praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's a baby, one day old. God among us. But it's so ordinary, so common, so lacking a fanfare and publication. And lest we miss the understanding that God is with us when your life seems ordinary, when it seems difficult, when it seems like where is the miraculous things that I need? God, prove to me that you're here. Prove to me that you're here. And he says, I am in the midst of you. I am right there in the most natural way that you could imagine. If you're not watching carefully, you will miss me because I'm there. I don't know about you, but when I came to faith in Christ, there was not a miracle. 
no flashes of light, no raising people from the dead. It, it was through other people sharing and living their life that I was able to, to get a glimpse of God and say, there is something there that I see, that I want, that I recognize. Just as there's the natural wonder of the mountains or the birth of a child, there was a wonder in the life of someone else that I said, whatever you have, I need. I want that. And if I wasn't careful, I would have missed it. God is at work, just as he was here in an amazing way. He's at work today in your lives. And if you're not careful, you can miss the most amazing things. The work of God as it takes place in and among his people. As I was thinking back on this year, and even after we're done with this time, we're going to be going out and wrapping some presents and giving it to the people in the community and trying to help others out with this Christmas season. And I was so excited that we were able to do this and that the names that we put up on the board were taken so quickly and we had to put more names up. And I was just thinking back about the time that we've been here at Genesis, the eight months that we've been meeting and I was mindful of some things and I wrote down some things and I, I put a blog up. And, but those of you who maybe don't have the Internet or, or don't read the blog, you can. I have a few copies back there. I don't know how the spelling. It was very early in the morning when I put it together. So forgive me. But as I was thinking back, I was just overwhelmed. With God at work among you. We've been to Mexico three times. We've done relief work in Texas and Mississippi. We're helping out at the apartment to start another study. A lot of you were part of that work, fixing that up. And even if you weren't able to go to any of those things by your giving financially, you have supported all those works. This is what you have done. Now the gifts. And in a short period of time, and I was just, as we've gone through Philippians and as we've gone through Colossians, I was mindful of Paul's words. I put the scripture at the bottom there, Philippians 1, 3 through 5. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And through you... I am able to see God at work. And through us, people can see God at work. Through the things that we do, people can see that God is with us. Why? Because one day, when no one was watching, no one knew, this young man and this young girl had to travel 90 miles on a donkey had to stay in a stable. No one knew the child was born. In fact, angels had to go get someone. And who they got? They got just these people who were low, not thought of by many people, and said, you guys, something special has happened. 
he revealed himself to these people who weren't looking for the right God. But he says, I need to show you guys something. He reached to the uttermost to reveal himself. And he wants to do the same thing today. And he wants to use us. Because the Messiah has been born. God is with us. And it might seem just like a manger on a mantle place. But it is a reality that took place in time. Mangers are so funny. They're all decked out. I've seen mangers with giraffes. I don't think there were any giraffes there. And it is like God to, in the most unlikely circumstances to make himself known because what he desires isn't to change the world but to change the lives. May he start with our life and may it spread from us to others. Let's pray. Lord, there is no way that we can fully understand what took place on that night when you were born. And there are no amount of lights that we can put up or fanfare that we could make that would be adequate to represent what took place. In fact, it would detract instead of attract what actually happened. Because God, it was in that natural birth that the supernatural took place. It was through the virgin who conceived that you were born when no one was aware, when no one was watching, when life was going by and almost passed by the most poignant time in all of history. And God, it is like you to reveal yourself to the most unlikely people, to reveal yourself even to us here today in ways that are not supernatural but cannot be denied. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move on the hearts who are here today, that they would recognize in the midst of life where they are right now, you are at work moving heaven and earth to bring them to an awareness of who you are. And if there are any here this morning who have not seen you, who have missed you, that you came and are among us. Lord, I pray you would open their eyes today. That you would give them faith to believe in your Son. Lord, might the miraculous be seen in this event that took place 
And may it not only be seen, but may it inhabit our hearts. Lord, that you would make your home within us. Even as you came to this earth, Lord, you desire to dwell in these earthen vessels. And may people see you in us. May you be honored. I want to ask, if you are here this morning and you have not recognized Jesus in your life the way you know you need to, if you want to acknowledge him for who he is, the Messiah, the Son of God, pray and want to offer you an opportunity to do just that. By raising your hand, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you'd raise your hand, I just want to pray for you and acknowledge that with you. Anyone, if you'd like to acknowledge Jesus, would you raise your hand? God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Father, you see these who have raised their hands, and I pray that you would again enlighten and reveal yourself to them. Lord, move upon their hearts, change their lives, even as you change the world in such an incredible way. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.